What are you anticipating seeing, you know, amongst the New Zealand teams, given you've, you've given all that about the All Blacks? Oh, just so many good young players, mate. I don't know how you do it there. Oh, I do, because you've got three of the biggest uh, academies in the world. Fiji, Samara and Tonga. They're not bad. Oh, we were waiting for it. I was waiting for it. G'day, good evening, good morning, wherever you are. Welcome to the Drops kickoff for another week. And it's officially World Cup time. This this thing has started in France a little while ago, this World Cup thing that we've been hearing about on the horizon for a while. Never heard of it, but it is officially here. We have officially started, and I have a special selection of people here today. First of all, we've got our usual suspect, the man from St Etienne himself, which we described last week as the Newcastle of France, Mr. Nathan Williamson. How are we doing, sir? Have you? Is, how fluent is your French? How are we? Are we? Are we fully converted yet? Uh, enough though that I haven't starved yet, but that's about it. I can, <laughs> I can order. I can order myself a, a croissant and a beer, and that's all I need. Oh, that's a, that's 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 all you really can ask for. It's it's been a, a non. When it comes to the French, I think it's a glass of wine or a nice beer with a croissant, and you're pretty much there. Embrace the stereotype. That's what I say. But our other guest, we do not have Mr. Hartman joining us today, of course, because he's usually our host. But uh, we were very lucky to have someone else very, very special. Of course, uh, a little while ago, you may have heard the news that our uh, Green and Gold Rugby, who we, which Nathan and I, of course, came up through the ranks of, recently has had a new owner. So I had to make the uh, te- um, very treacherous journey by train. I got off at one train stop that was just like a small one on its own with the fog and mist all around. I had to hop onto a boat. I had to go across the boat, across this lake, try and avoid all the oyster traps uh, kind of around Mooney Mooney sort of area. It was very eerie. Got to a random uh, path, had to get off, hop onto the off the path, walked to a really, really dodgy shack. There was one light in the shack. I opened up that door and there was Hoss sitting there and I asked him would you like to come on the podcast and he said maybe all right so we have the emperor himself do we call you emperor do we call you sir what do we call you now uh, look Mr Hoss will be fine tonight guys just keep it casual that's the way we roll first of all congratulations nice to I'm uh, very excited to see what you've got installed for Gaga yeah good evening Nick and the guy from RA um <laughs> <laughs> great, great to be with you. Uh, look, firstly, it's not just me with Gaga. I've got a couple of business partners, and behind that, mate, we've got a fantastic writing team. But it's the it's the people who comment, the people who log in every day. They might read, they comment, they don't read, they comment. It's them that make Gaga what it is, and we're just uh, we're happy to be the uh, the chaperones for the for the next immediate future. Well, we're very glad to have you on, and we're very excited to to continue to be part of the podcast uh, for Green and Gold Rugby, and uh, it's a beautiful platform. Absolutely love it, and uh, whatever you do, stay off the forum. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Uh, Green and Gold isn't the same without you taking shots at me basically every single day, or someone taking shots at me. You've learned to talk French, but you can't say car wash in French. Wake up to yourself. I'm trying trying to avoid Hamish so I don't have to wash his car when I'm over here, so... <laughs> so, uh, for our coverage for the World Cup, we're going to try, I'm going to attempt, I'll emphasise on attempt, to do two podcasts a week. One on the World Cup, basically the Australian team, how the Australian team is going and exclusive on that. And then the other one, kind of small little bites, small little bite size looking at the other teams in uh, that are going on. There's a hell of a lot of games happening, hell of a lot of uh, games happening in quick succession. So, uh, it's very difficult to dissect every single one. We are not squid rugby. 
So we are going to dive headfirst into kind of talking about, uh, you know, all the other games and other moments of rugby that stood out for us over the coming last, you know, over the previous weekend or so of footy. Um, and we'll dive headfirst into this opening weekend because, oh, my goodness, there was a hell of a lot of rugby and it was an absolutely thrilling uh, batch of games that we got. And I'll kind of just go through all of them right now before throwing it out to the boys and talking about things that really stood out to us from this opening weekend. Um, first up, of course, we have the opening match where France knocked over the All Blacks 27-13 in a moment, in a moment that I think a few of us, few of us will forget for a little while in Pool A. And then that was immediately followed up by Italy putting 50 on Namibia, which was absolute, which was an absolutely scintillating game. Uh, an incredible moment in Pool B when Romania uh, actually scored first uh, in their match against Ireland, and we all thought that an upset was on the cards. But from the moment they attempted that conversion, it was all downhill, and Ireland then scored 82 points. Uh, of course, the big surprise, well, one of the big surprises was South Africa pretty much deconstructing Scotland. We thought this, I thought personally thought this was going to be a bit of a closer game, but winning 18 to three. And then, of course, down in Pool C, of course, we have the Wallabies knocking off Georgia, and then Wales in a, which I think this is a game we're going to be talking about a lot in this particular podcast, uh, beating Fiji 32 to 26. And then, of course, finally in Pool D, Argentina losing t- uh, 27 to 10 to England, incredibly. With a, with a one-man advantage for the vast majority of the match. And then, of course, Japan defeating Chile, 42-12. to 12. Fair to say, a decent amount of rugby played. What were our thoughts of that first weekend? And I'll throw it to our El Presidente himself. Are we happy? Are we, are we satisfied? Oh, mate, look, you, you wait four years for this, don't you? There's, what couldn't you be satisfied about? It had, uh, it had genuine moments of rugby joy with Romania scoring that try to temporarily get in front of the uh, Paddies. Uh, you had France taking it to the Neelys, which uh, which was a really good article on Friday on Gaga actually predicted. Um, we'll probably touch on the Wallabies a bit later on. They, they look, as a fan, you take the win. You take the five points, they top the pool. Everything about that was good, but I don't know that I saw a performance that would beat Fiji in that game. Yeah. Uh, or the Wales versus, uh, Wales versus Fiji, absolutely <laughs> heartbreaking, but not, not because of the past, but because of uh, how uh, an Englishman refereed one side, one side only. Uh, and mate, and any other countless moments that we'll we'll touch on uh, after Nath's roundup. Yeah, Nath, what are we feeling? What's the vibe down there on the ground? I'm getting, I've been seeing some stories, and a, a couple of folks over at the war uh, were caught scrummaging on the streets of Marseille and, and certain other activities that we cannot get into in further detail on this podcast. But uh, what's the vibe down there? What's the feeling? Are we are we enjoying it? What are your what were your highlights and your standouts? No, it's been awesome. Um, I'm lucky enough to go to that that opening game, the France New Zealand, and it was an atmosphere like nothing I've experienced. Just the way the French got behind it, um, it was just you know traveling to the ground three hours beforehand. There was thousands already in this sort of concourse little area, chanting, cheering, drinking, and then once you got into the stadium and you see you know just a, a sea of red, white, and blue, just cheering home any. Any kind of decision that went France's way was met by cheers. Anything that was slightly controversial, the, it felt like the place was vibrating with booze and was just going to erupt into a, you know, a, just an absolute onslaught of French abuse to the referee. It was, it was remarkable. It was like a coliseum. And you know, when France go went over for that final try, it was again an incredible moment that just really sort of set the scene for this tournament. To then sort of back it up the next day, 
Personally, surprised at the amount of Georgians that was there. I, you could make the argument there was more Georgian fans than Australians, but to then say an Australian win was just awesome. And then just the sort of vibe around the place has been unreal. Just, you know, you walk sort of currently in Lyon at the moment, you just walk around, you're seeing, you know, people in jerseys, you're seeing, you know, bars and cafes and restaurants dressed with it, all the different flags. And, you know, it's, it's awesome. And it's only going to keep growing as, you know, the sort of games keep moving into, you know, places like Sanetti and Leon where, you know, the Wallabies will sort of have themselves based the next couple of weeks. It's, it's just been, it's been an awesome start to the tournament. It really has. I think it's been, it, it's probably been one of the most exciting opening weekends of a World Cup we've seen in a long time. And I, just on that point, how good that we have like such a high stakes game first up. I mean, it wasn't at 03 where Australia played Argentina and flogged them. Uh, in the opening match, and it just kind of felt like you're not playing against a Minnows team. It's like a match that actually has a critical impact on the wider context of the tournament straight off the bat. Uh, if any World Rugby folks are listening to this, which if you are, why? But if you are, uh, do do more tournament stuff like this, more big games straight off the bat. I think that's uh, that's probably the, the key learnings and taking aways. Just, just on that, look at 19. It was Japan-Russia. Yeah, God. And I mean, like, you know, who's, who saw that one coming? <laughs> Again, that's not, not a way to start a tournament. To start a start a weekend, we had four legitimate quarterfinal quality, quality games. You know, a team like Chile come out and play their first game and play exciting rugby. It's It was, again, this is how you've got to start tournaments heading forward to really kind of capture a country. Strangely, I agree with Nath, mate. I just think what, a, what an absolute ripping way to get into it. You've got, you got the frogs versus the darkness. Um, with all the history that they they have at particularly at World Cup time on a home field, um, it, look, it was just it set the tone, and it wasn't just that France won. It was that it was the right game, it was the right message to the world watching, and it was just yeah, it, it couldn't script a better start to a World Cup than those two teams kicking off the uh, the tournament. Let's well, let's dive into the our favourite matches of the weekend because <laughs> there is a lot of rugby to cover and uh, we can't do it in one go. And I, would we argue? And I'll throw this I'll throw this to you first, Hoss. Actually, would you mm. argue that that uh, that match between France and the All Blacks was was the match of the weekend, or do we reckon that there were others that stood out personally to you? Oh fuck no! Uh, the, <laughs> the, the, the best game of the weekend for me, and, and it's a it's a curveball, was England versus Argentina because it reminded the world just how shit England are at rugby union. It was as if 1995 called, Rob Andrew was on the phone. You see these pasty palms beating their chest, jumping up and down because the guy kicked 15 field goals. They've got a German royal family. They've got some doofus as the prime minister, and they're kicking field goals. So for me, culturally, good on you, England. Everything about you stood true in that game. You might have won, but you killed 98% of people who love rugby. It was such a weird game, wasn't it? It was such a bizarre game. Like I had to that was the I was doing some live coverage for it, so I had to get up at five AM to watch that game. And it was God, it was bizarre. Just watching the the not only just the chipping away that England did in a really just it was quite it was very, very boring match. But then also just watching the Pumas, the Argentinians just oh, yeah, yeah. freak out. They panicked. Yeah. I've never seen a team shit the bed. That badly, um, like especially knowing that they had a fourteen, they had a one man advantage. They just, it felt like there was, they weren't playing at all. It wasn't a very good, just a you, really you, bad performance. 
You never watched the Wallabies under Michael Checker? <laughs> I didn't like. Look, to be honest, I did, and I, and I think maybe maybe I've just tried to push all of that that that, that kind of five years from my brain. But uh, <laughs> that's what a good psychiatrist does. Yeah, it does. It's uh, the yeah, wonders of my, psychiatry. Ask my three eight twelve. <laughs> gonna say it's great just setting england up as just the the enemy of positive rugby yeah like look you know they, they got they did what they had to do they won the game the you know the points from the bank minus a, is there is there a bonus point for kicking field goals i haven't read that far um <laughs> they they did everything they did they should have done they won the game it was the pumas 15 on 14 for 77 minutes had no idea about exploiting gap or space you had the joy of you had the joy of Fiji versus Wales. You had the exhilaration of New Zealand versus France, and then you had that abomination pretending to be a rugby match. And I love that you picked that as your favourite match of the weekend. <laughs> Everyone's going to pick Wales Fiji, so I had to do something different. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, Nathan, are you going to are you going to take the easy option, or are you going to give us a curveball? No, nah, I'll go the curveball. I'll I'll go with France New Zealand. I think like just just that's going to be that's a personal bias for being there, but I think this was. In terms of the like high quality games, I think this is the the best we saw of the weekend. Just two teams, and you know, it felt like a bit of a arm wrestle with in that sort of first 50 minutes where neither side could really get on top of them. And the fact that all it took was just one incident, that yellow card to Will Jordan, was just a you know, stupid move from him. To there was he was gaining nothing out of sort of going up for that ball and takes him out, and it just allows France to just sort of attack and you know, essentially change momentum in that game. I just feel like it was just a real real pre- preview of what to expect. When we get to, you know, the quarterfinals and those two teams have to play a South Africa and Ireland, and then, you know, we get into the semis and final. I think it was just a great kind of preview of what to expect. But, yeah, also, that Wales-Fiji game was awesome, just the way it kind of naturally built and it's just, yeah, shame about the result. Billy, didn't Jordan do it two or three times, though? Like, it, it wasn't the first time he did it. He, he, there were some legitimate challenges. I'm not saying that he didn't, but that it wasn't the first time he got in amongst the legs of a jumper. Uh, oh yeah, so he, he did it. He did it straight after he came back from the Arcade as well. Mm. And look, from, from a, yeah, I suppose you know, as an Aussie, you, I, I should cheer for New Zealand, um, but I, I have some philosophical issues there. Uh, but it just seemed watching it back here on the lounge is it? It didn't seem like France were ever not going to win that game. I know. New Zealand got out, they scored early in both halves, but it just, you always felt as a, as a spectator that France had that under control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. It was, it just, and it, it kind of, it, it did daunt me a little bit. I think the only time, adding to your point about whether you cheer for New Zealand or not, is, where, is when the Southern Hemisphere, come semifinals, when you want to make sure there's as many Southern Hemisphere teams in there as possible, just to remind those who claim to have played the game longer who is actually better at it. But yeah, but it's... mate, I am never, never supporting the Catholics. I don't care who they play. I'd cheer for England first. <laughs> so, yeah, I was having this combo with a couple of Kiwi Janos at at the game, and it was like a they they don't. If I kind of put it to them as if the roles were reversed and it was flipped, would you go for Australia? And they were like, no. So that kind of answers the question for me. Is you'd have to. The reality is, would I support? I think I'd support them over the English, but I. That's probably about. Maybe maybe the South Africans as well. Maybe. Oh, I'd, now now we're heading into controversial see, territory. No, <laughs> I hope Hamish. I hope Hamish is listening to this. What's your <laughs> What's your staff performance criteria, mate? Because that, that's surely. Hamish, Hamish is not listening to this. I'm telling <laughs> you right now. There's not a chance in hell. 
but I, it's just more of I don't know. I think it's just the way like this, some of the Springboks supporters have irked me over the past couple of years. It's just the way they carry on. So it's almost you almost want to say it. Or maybe I've been hanging out with Ben Smith too much, so that might be rubbing off with me. I had the I had the chance to be at the uh, 07 World Cup in Paris in the, the Pommies versus uh, the Catholics in the final. And the way the Sappers celebrated penalty goals and free kicks, it, it's, I've got PTSD, which is why I cannot, and that's not Peter Steph to toy with illiteracy, It's it, I, I cannot and will not cheer for uh, South Africa on any basis. Yeah, no, that's what I was saying. I was, I was, I was cheer for New Zealand over South Africa. Mm. <laughs> getting back to the getting back to the question, which will be the uh, which I, I appreciate that we went completely off topic and talking about teams that that we would absolutely not cheer for. I think would it be fair to say for both of you that there would be a team that we would cheer for, which would be my pick for the game of the weekend, being Wales Fiji. I'm taking the straight yeah, ball. Yeah, would we yeah, absolutely yeah. cheer for Fiji? Oh, mate, it, it, oh, yeah, the, I, I don't know anybody uh, who loves rugby who doesn't Fiji as their second team. Anybody, they just yeah. they just play with a, a beauty and a joy and a humility that you don't see in any other sport. They just bring they bring grace and dignity and athleticism and all the things that's good about sport. The Fijians encapsulate. Mm. Amen. I meant to that, but it, it was an absolutely like in contrast to having to get up for the uh, England Argentina game and watching. Uh, watching that delivered. By comparison, the Wales-Fiji game was a Hollywood blockbuster, the yeah. 95% Hollywood blockbuster with the, the Welsh playing probably some of the most energetic rugby I've actually had in, seen from a Welsh side in a very, very long time. Um, and then uh, you have the Fijians responding in kind and God, Rodrigo is just, he's terrifying. Just seeing mm. him go up against anybody is Terrifying, and I pray for Samu Karebi or whoever is going to be our, one of our centre combos this weekend. But there, there obviously is one key thing that we need to talk about with this game, which we might get back to, um, because it is something that I do have some thoughts, feelings, and opinions on. But if we can nail it, let's let's dive a little further. Was there any particular moments? Let's talk not games. Let's talk specific moments from this opening weekend that made you have a laugh, thought was amazing, thought was fantastic. Random person in the uh, random person in the street, random random fan in the audience, passage of play. What really stood out to us first, Nathan? I'm going to throw to you because you're on the ground. You probably have more chance to see what all of the local frogs are getting up to. So I'm not going to go with something funny. I'm just going to something that really sort of I, I was happy to see. And you know, you talk about everyone's second team being Fiji. If it's they're the second team, the third team has to be Chile. And just the way they played and seeing them score their first try. I, I'm just really happy to see it. And just how they play play the game. It's, you know, they throw the ball around. They, you know, it's expansive. It's attacking. It's just kind of, it's like Fiji, but, you know, it's the South American version of it. It's great to see. So that was my moment that really kind of, kind of encapsulated what this World Cup's all about. You know, teams like that coming to here, you know, I took it to Japan, who was, you know, probably the same position eight, 12 years ago, and just had a bit of fun with it, threw it around and, were really entertaining to watch. You always love it's always the entertaining songs that really pull it off. For me, a specific moment that I really enjoyed was I think it was during I recall it is the France the France All Blacks game where the one the, the whoever the kicker was whose name escapes me took a kick and it was pretty much over the top of one of the posts. One flagsman put the flag mm. up, one flagsman didn't. And I've never seen anything like that in a rugby game before. Usually there's an agreement from the linesman of if that's up or down. One went up, one went down. And I don't know how it actually was recorded. And I think that the ruling is 
correct me here, uh, correct me here, Hoss, if I am incorrect, but the ruling then means that the ref makes the call. They're the final decider on if it actually is a is a conversion or not. But I thought that was absolutely hilarious that on the biggest stages of all, the linesmen couldn't come to an agreement on if it was a conversion or not. Mate, watching watching that live, even Gemma Bear had a big smile on his face. I don't believe they added it to the score. <clears throat> so Excuse me. The funny thing, funny thing about that. Let me just add to that. So the ref, the ref waved it off, said um, no conversion. I think hmm. they announced they announced it and said it was no conversion. But when they went for the full time score and put it on the screen, they ad- they added it as a conversion. <laughs> so even the ground didn't know what was going on. <laughs> was there Mate. an agreement in the Was there an agreement in the actual in the press box as to what the actual score was, or were people as as confused? No, I think they announced it. They announced it correctly, so everyone was just like, "Oh, it's uh, I think it was twenty seven thirteen or whatever it was." So no one, I don't think anyone was that confused. And then I think they corrected it shortly afterwards. Yeah, look, mate, for me, the, the the things that stood out for me, there were there were two of the same incident where the the abattoir himself signaled to the referee he'd knocked the ball on in a possible uh, try scoring opportunity. I thought that was just that summed up <clears throat> the uh, the brotherhood of rugby for me. That was that that was what rugby union's all about: play hard but play fair. Uh, the Fijian prop did the same. He, he signaled to the ref, Matt Carley, you're probably sin for making a decision anyway. Um, <laughs> and then the other one, the other one, mate, is a big shout-out to Patrick on Gaga, who's uh, who's based in Europe and maybe France, and I know he's at the Cup. He posted during one of the games that the French bring the beer to the seats in the stadium. Now, you say yes, what you want about beer. France, but what the hell? Phil War, I know you're listening. Hamish is probably driving his Bentley somewhere. Phil? Sort this shit out <laughs> and increase the limit on bourbons to eight per serving. I mean, yep. if the French can organise to take beer to the seat, wake up to yourself, Rugby Australia. <laughs> it's an unreal system. So I was at a soccer game in Lyon, and it's just like a QR code that you scan. Pick where your seat is, and they just come around, and there's just like massive plastic cups, like properly, like not your little sort of schooners as well. Like they look like proper pint sizes as well. And it's just, just drop them off. It's unreal. So you were at a soccer game, mate. So another layer of the Nathan Williamson story is peeled back. Oh, that's that's hey, controversial. Went in Rome. Went in mm. Rome. Mm. Nigel Owens was on this podcast. He would tell. He would be. He would be furious. Absolutely furious, Mr. Williamson. I feared for my life. I had to. I did it under duress. <laughs> Otherwise, it wouldn't make it in France. It's true. It is true. Yeah. Well, on that subject, let's move to what the, the biggest, what, what I like to call the single biggest what the fuck moment from the weekend, because it's fair to say that there were there were a couple. Some comments were made about the officiating uh, on a, in particularly to two specific games, being the South Africa Scotland game and of course Wales Fiji. I'll throw it to you both first, and Mr. Williamson, I'll start with you. What is the single biggest what the fuck moment of the weekend, and why is it the refereeing uh, in the Wales Fiji match? See, again, that's that's another easy. I'm not going to go the easy answer here. I'm, I'm going to go a collection of. Oh, a collection. How, that, how do I how do it's I phrase winter. this without saying I hate children? But. <laughs> Better than the alternative. Great start. We've, we've got to sort out the anthems. I'm sorry. Oh, One of the yeah. best things about like a lot of the rugby playing nations is they have incredible anthems. You know, the Scottish, the Irish, the French. I, even I'll give the Kiwis. Jew on this one. There's a great kind of with the, with the Maori and then back into English. But you've got to you've got to let the crowd sing it. They're, it was so bizarre. Like I, the French anthem is, you know, with eighty thousand people singing it, is jo- joyous and was, you know, still memorising. But but you can't 
couldn't hear it properly because you had the choir or and then the Australian one had a backing of a choir behind it as well. Let it be natural. How you know, how hard is it to have just the backing track going and let the fans do the work for you? That's some of the best some of the best anthems you get is when, you know, you look at the Australian France game, they got three lines in, into the backing track, cut it off, and then the whole crowd was singing it and, and kind of leading it by itself. It's mm. so much more powerful when you do it that way. But when you have a, you know, a recording of a choir or recording, I believe it's a recording of like an elementary school of like choir doing it. It just doesn't have that same kind of bravado that you, you expect at a World Cup. So I know it's, it's, this is going to happen all World Cup. It's not going to change, but yeah, it's something that needs sorting out. At least kind of tune it down a little so you can get, you know, the full crowd reaction and actually have a powerful anthem. I, I do say I prefer it over the some of the live bands that have been a little bit off whenever the Wallabies go and play Italy. Uh, I have like I do prefer it to that, but let, for me it's the Welsh national anthem. That one is a belter. You belt the crap out of that and you sing it hard. And uh, when I was watching them belt it and hearing the fact that also that the actual the the chorus the actual the choir version of it was out of tune with the actual the actual timing of it was out of tune with how the all the Welsh pl- uh, fans and players sung it. I went, this is horrific. Like that, you, that you, was common. You butchered that this. The French one that happened with the Irish one. It happened. It's not the same rhythm. It's kind of it ticked the OCD in me. It just pisses it off. The Welsh national anthem is not about you, you do not the timing is atrocious. It's all about belting the shit out of it. That's what you do. So yeah, yeah. I was not not happy. And of course the Welsh just went, we're going at our own pace. And and after the actual the actual track finished, they were still going. They were about like a good 20, 10 seconds behind it. It was such a strange moment. Hoss, are you going to go for the uh, for the ref for the ref calls, or have you got some specific moments that stick out to you as a as a what the hell? Oh, look, <clears throat> mate. Um, yeah, I'll take the low hanging fruit on this one. I, uh, for me, the officiating of Matthew Carley, and the, it was a reminder of exactly what the Drua copped in last Super Rugby season. I thought the Drua were refereed entirely different to every other team in the competition. And I think, mate, the, the Fijians got the same. And look, the, what what summed this up for me beautifully was, I think, 72, 73 minutes. Uh, the Welsh got a player in the bin. Fiji pack a scrum. Fiji's rolled at forward 10 metres. The scrum is still intact on both sides. They have advantage. No one's got a crystal ball, but the likelihood was that they either score a try from a pushover or Wales concede a penalty try and there's another one in the bin. He stops the scrum. Mm. While, Wales, so while Fiji are marching forward, the scrum's intact. There's no danger to anybody. They've got advantage, and he blows it up about six metres short of the line. And I'm, you want to talk about what the fuck? I said that out loud. I think my, my eight-year-old got a surprise. Um, and and well, probably not. But, uh, <laughs> Definitely not a surprise. Definitely not a surprise. It's like, that's, just, that, that's that, every that, day of the week. Times, but <laughs> I, I, looking at it, I'm thinking, Matthew Carley, like – no one's. I don't think referees set out to be inept. You know, Nigel Owen made a career out of that, but this Matthew Carley was disgraceful. He wasn't bad. He was disgraceful. The same. Yeah, the, the, he gets one of the Fijian. I think there was a Fijian seven for collapsing a mall, and he sin bins him straight away. Cynical, off you go. Wales gave away five infringements back to back within three minutes. They get a warning. Just as Fiji scored, he put his arm up for advantage again. Fiji score, and he wipes the slate clean. I'm thinking it's got to be consistent, and it's got to be the same rules, whether you're a Northern Hemisphere team 
or you're an island team like Fiji, they copped it 15 ways from Sunday during that game. The Welsh were brave. The Welsh In all of this, you forget the Welsh defended really well. But Fiji, with a, with a, with a more even-keeled referee, win that game by 12 to 14 points. And their, their whole World Cup now hinges on one more game, which will, I know it's coming up later. But I, I just – it wasn't a bad refereeing performance. It was a disgraceful refereeing performance. And Fiji were robbed. There's no other way to put it. My question is, though, and I'm going to – I'll just – because I'll throw a spanner in the works at you a bit, Hoss, because with that, the – because I thought with the with the number seven Fijian player getting sent to the bin, that was a professional foul, wasn't it? Which is an immediate yellow card. He's ruled it cynical. Um, but mate, can, can oh, he's ruled, he ruled it cynical. It, it happened if you cast your mind back last year, guys, to Melbourne when our favourite Frenchman Matthew oh, fuck you over Raynell, um <laughs> made that decision. Jake Gordon was at the head of the defending them all. The key, everyone else had broken away. There were seven Kiwis rolling at him. He got knocked over, and he got he got sinbin for a professional foul. Tell me what one person against seven is going to do. I mean, he didn't try to bring it down. It's only natural that 800 kilos is going to beat 105 kilos. Mm. What are these guys supposed to do? They're tackling their heart out. Isn't it incumbent on the mall to stay up? And look, don't get me the rolling mall for me is another podcast in and of itself. You know, mm. it's a, it's a it's a rolling offside weapon, which is just ridiculous. But anyway, he ruled it cynical. He ruled it professional. But what if what are five infringements in a row within a two minute period? Yeah, that that last six like so there was the there were two periods of this which was around the fifty to sixty minute mark and then I think the period that you're talking about that last period around the seventy one pretty much to seventy seven yeah. minute mark where that fifty to sixty mark there was a good three or four penalties and Wales got a formal warning and I think they also had in that time they also had a player set to the bin as well um in that in that period of time but during that second period that you know around 71 to 73 i think there were, it was three different types of penalties it wasn't only yeah. multiple penalties it was three different types of penalties and i was just thinking to myself surely surely someone has to go someone has to go and it was i do think that like that last 10 minutes specifically that second passage of play where the, he then gave wells another formal warning which was weird to me. At that point, you're like, "Come on, mate, it's time for you. It's time to go to the bin." Nathan, are we? Do we? Is there actually a ruling here that uh, that you can defend? There's there's some way, or is the ref fucked up? I mean, because I know Coops is listening, I got to play some kind of devil's advocate here. Um, <laughs> like, look, the Fiji one, they're on the they're on the attack. They're ten meters out. I've seen that to the yellow carded more often than not. I can understand that. That's fine. Like, I think Parecki's copped, copped a couple of those for the Tars. Um, you referenced Jake Gordon. But, yeah, I think in terms – I think they, they – a Wales guy should have gone to the bin a lot earlier. I, I, I think when you look at what the incident that ended up getting um, yellow carded, I think it was, like, kicking kicking the ball away, sort of. And what it was – it was accidental enough that I've seen people just get 10 – cop 10 – like it being advanced 10 metres from that, I think that was a square up and realising someone probably should have gone to the bin earlier. Um, I guess the, and the reality in all this is, you know, Fiji had a chance to win that game. If instead of going for a looping looping miracle ball, they just played it short, no one was stopping. Just, I, I can't remember which centre it so was. It was, but it, was a skip, it was a skipper, number 13. Yeah, it was semi-redradra, yeah. no no semi number 12, number 12, redradra. No, but if, 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 if the prop pops it, just off his left shoulder, 
the skipper runs 15 metres untouched. There's a hole that big enough to drive the Manly Ferry through. And that's that's the reality of it. But and in reality, and if there was another five minutes in that game, Fiji would have scored regardless. But yeah, they would have. They yeah, would've. I do do feel like he, he missed a trick in not sending someone to the bin earlier. Just just as sort of Hoss and yourself have mentioned, Nick, just the sheer volume of penalties that mm. Wales gave away. More often than not, you see that end up in the yellow card. Mm, absolutely, and yeah, I think it's going to be fair to say that. Even though it was still probably the best game of the tournament, and it's going to be the 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 standard that'll be set for a while. God, it was there were some questionable moments in those calls, um, and I think it's fair to say that uh, that we'll be discussing it for a while. Particularly how if how it will go against this upcoming weekend uh, with Fiji pretty much playing for a chance to make the quarterfinals right here. This is their their World yeah. Cup right here. Um, so to talk about the upcoming games for this uh, this weekend. We've got, first of all, up in Pool A, France coming up against uh, the likes of Uruguay. And let's all sit and enjoy for the moment that, that Uruguay are actually higher in the table right now than New Zealand, just by default. So I'm just going to uh, take that moment and sit with it and enjoy it right now, uh, which will be perfect. Um, and then, meanwhile, New, New Zealand will be up against uh, Namibia uh, in, their, in their match, whereas in, down in Pool B, Ireland will be taking on Tonga, which I think will be a very interesting clash. Um, while South Africa come up against Romania. And then in Pool C, we have Wales coming up against Portugal and also the Australia versus Fiji game, which we'll dive into on our next podcast, which will drop uh, soon after this. And then lastly, in Pool D, Samoa playing Chile and England coming up for an interesting game against uh, Japan, against the Brave Blossoms. Finishing off, last final question for you both, and Hoss, I'll throw to you first. Which game out of all of these upcoming matches are you most keen to watch? Mate, the biggest game of next weekend is uh, Fiji versus Wallabies for obvious Absolutely. reasons. It's, it's it's the Wallabies can afford to lose. I, I understand you wouldn't want to. Fiji must win, uh, otherwise their World Cup's over. But yeah, I can't see anyone else in Pool C beating apart from Australia beating Wales. I can't see one of the the the, the minnows uh, beating one of the the top three. So this is Fiji's World Cup this weekend. Mm, uh, yeah, I have to agree. I think that's of all the games in that. Uh, that's the one that's really sticking out to me. Uh, Nathan, are there any other games that are t- that are that are turning your eye and getting your attention? That's the standout. When you look at the odds for all the games, that's the only games where both teams are actually single digits. I think your next one is Japan at ten bucks, but yeah. against England. But I, for me, I'll say Island Tonga. Just two teams being the ever living piss out of each other is something that that's gonna. Be a really exciting game to watch. You know, Tonga coming fresh, first game back, you know, potentially have Adam Coleman starting as well in mm. some kind of shape. Um, Irish coming off a pretty comfortable win over Romania. I think Todd Akefu said in the past that this is the game he wants to target. And this is the game he thinks that he can cause that miraculous upset in. So Did he say yeah, that? I think it, it's said it a while back, yeah. Like, this is the game that he's targeting. He thinks he can match up well with him. So Jesus just keep your Christ. eye on this. He's a brave be, man. I mean... Have you seen the size of him? I'm not I, yeah, I, like if he says that, I'm saying yes, sir. Yeah. Um, so it, <laughs> if he thinks that and he thinks he can match up well, then honestly, I, I'm fascinated to see how this goes. Yeah. Mate, the, sh- the short passing game of the Irish against Romania, I, I take into account the quality of the opposition, but Ireland have started as good as France have. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. I'd, I think. I think it, honestly, it, it, we we've been talking about it for ages, but it, it, if 
if we are, uh, I'm thinking if the rugby gods are, uh, if the if the rugby gods believe in in the best performing sides making the World Cup final um, of the last four years, you'd have to assume it will be an Ireland France final because it feels like those two teams are the teams that are standing out. But you know, it's this is this is the World Cup. Anything can happen. For me, I do agree with Hoss. It is Fiji Wallabies by a landslide. But also just to give us an extra option there, I am curious to see how England and Japan will will play out. Um, that's a, an interesting match to, to keep an eye on, not just because of the fact that suddenly England are on um, after that performance of, of kicking three goal, three points every two minutes and slowly chipping it up, but also because, you know, if seeing as, as if England can, can turn around and, and produce great, uh, it can produce a performance like that and win by 17 points, um, Japan can as well. And, and, and obviously we were talking about how Japan were not coming in into this tournament with red hot form, and yet they put 40 on on Chile. So I reckon that's another exciting game uh, to keep our eyes on. But yeah, it's it's all Fiji Wallabies. Let's call it. It's all Fiji Wallabies uh, yeah. this this upcoming weekend. All right. Well, that's our little World Cup first World Cup bites pod. Let us know what you think. Drop us a drop us a review. Let us know. Head over to Gaga and check things out. Of course, you have Hoss himself who will be writing plenty of articles as well as a whole bunch of our of our group that will also be taking part in that. Uh, we'll be dropping a podcast tomorrow, which will be our exclusive Australia-Fiji podcast. We will be talking how the Wallabies went against Georgia, but then also dive into that Fiji-Wales match a little bit more and then talk about where the game will be won and lost. So keep a close eye out for that one. Thank you very much, Nathan, for joining us from the literal other side of the world. You couldn't be any further away. And uh, and cheers, El Presidente, El Emperor, oh Captain, my Captain, for joining us. Yeah, I think that's a really silly question. You know, rugby's a game of 15 players on the, on the field. When we're attacking, we're attacking weak defenders. We're looking for weak defenders. Why would we run at the strongest defenders? So if Martin's there and, and sorry, what's your name? Nick, and Nick's there, we're not going to run to Martin, are we? <laughs> Guys, can you just send my best wishes to Warren? Make sure he enjoys the third and fourth playoff. <laughs>